Welcome everyone to the newest episode of the Talking TV podcast. I love that intro. Uh, in the line of surprise hosts, I'm Billy Mack, the host of the latest debate on the Talking TV network. Now tonight we've got incredible debate for you guys. Battle of the sitcoms, The Office versus Community. Which one is best? While objectively, I think we all kind of know that answer, this will be a subjective fight. So technically, it can be anybody's game. Now, for my quick credentials as a host and a judge for what it's worth, I'm a 15-year fan of The Office and can tell in the most hipster way possible that I was watching it live on cable in its opening season. And my wife and I will be amongst the sea of devastated people come January 1st. My office is no longer available on Netflix. Community, on the other hand, is a relatively new flame of mine based on Dom's recommendation. Now, it couldn't have taken me longer than a week to binge it all. And for those who feel the same way, fingers crossed for that eventual movie. Now, I've known Dominic for most of my life, swimming with him when he was just a mere tot. And I've had the pleasure of being a fan of Chris's on this podcast for being the poised, well-articulated, and supportive co-pilot with Dom. Now, the last thing I want to say is that I could not be more excited for this opportunity to be the underqualified host of the debate. And now... Time to introduce our combatants, Don the movie nerd and Chris the TV nerd. Billy, hey. oh my God, dude! For, round of applause, round of applause, right there. Man, that was incredible. That was absolutely incredible, dude. Oh man, I the kind words, and I, I also think I like that you gave us your background. You know, it's it's going to be nice to see you be objective and put your love for something that, wow, you're a hipster. You weren't lying. 15 years. You saw it on cable TV. I mean, the OG. I'm excited, man. You got me pumped up, dude. Yeah. Oh man. Like I don't, I don't even need to introduce the actual podcast because Billy already did such a good job doing no, it. All we know is that, I mean, Chris, it should be pretty obvious. We've made our stances clear as far as where we stand on either show, but just for all the new viewers for tonight, I will be defending community, the underdog in this scenario from day one and still. And Chris, what show will you be defending? I will be defending The Office um, because it shouldn't need to be defended, but it does tonight. And so I'm here to do it. All right. Someone has to do it. And I've, I've taken that upon myself. Um, and it's, this is going to be another one as well where I have to throw my objective uh, hat into the ring because... These are two of my top 10 favorite shows of all time. One is just ranked a little bit higher than the other. Hence why I'm defending The Office. So I'm going to be tackling these arguments because I've said this on the show before. They know I like community. So I just want to clear this up, Dom, from a strictly um, objective standpoint, not a subjective standpoint. This is what I think The Office does better than community. I can still like a show that doesn't achieve the same heights, though. So All I have to say is this. Everyone knows my thoughts on community that I've been dropping throughout every video that we've had throughout the entire year. Everyone knows my thoughts on the office that I've made more than a parent in every single circle that I run in. I will be doing my best to throw out objective points, but just so you know, I mean, I said this before the last debate, Chris, I said this before I've said this before everything else. I'm going to be fighting with fire here. Like I'm, I'm not going to hold back. So just be prepared. that's all I'm going to say. But of course, before we get started, I just have to give a shout out. Thank you to every single contributor who has been with us so far throughout the course of the entirety of this year. Thanks to everyone who tuned in to our strength of the screenplay podcast the other night where we read star Wars episode nine, duel of the fates. If you guys had not had a chance to check that out yet, I strongly suggest it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of people on. It was just 
absolutely insane. So, and of course, as always, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Talking TV Podcast, all one word. And of course, we will tell you where to follow this guy, our host, Billy Mack, after this is done. So, Chris, without further ado, I think we've defended our posts here. Are you ready to get into this? Dude, I'm ready to go. Let's hit it. Oh, man. I've been waiting for this literally all year long. Billy, read us the rules for this debate, okay. starting with round one. Okay, starting with round one. Round one will be the introduction round, where each side will present their own individual opening statements. Now, this is crucial for round one, gentlemen, and I know this will be a tough one for Dom. There will be no interruptions. Now, with that, Dom will be flipping a coin to see who goes first. I have an actual coin this time, people. All right, so I'm going to do my best as far as, you know. Call it, Chris. Heads. Heads. You go first. All right. Landed on heads. All right. Opening statements, Chris. Warm us up. Perfect. So basically the debate is which is better, right? And so I think that with sitcoms being something that traditionally are meant to unwind, right? They air around 7 to 10 p.m. Obviously, the more popular shows get the more ideal, a.k.a. primetime slot, and that's because after a long day, you don't really want to have to think too hard. You just kind of want to ease into something, put the troubles of your day away, or as sitcoms has evolved, obviously sort of hyperanalyze and satirize the struggles of your day. So when you talk about The Office and you talk about community, I already think that community is in stark contrast to what makes sitcoms so ideal and so enjoyable. Because community has a lot of meta humor that I just think is a little much to digest after a day of getting screamed at in the office, a day of having to deal with the hustle and bustle when you just want to come home and unwind and not have to think. I don't want to have to, you know, have a character who thinks he's in a movie and and have to balance, oh, we're in the fourth wall now, we're back in the regular. I don't want to have to, you know, sort of parade around that type of... uh, sorry, not parade around, tiptoe around reality and and what isn't reality. Because I think while it is interesting, you can still tell compelling sitcom stories in a place you just left in the, in the case of The Office, right? We're quite literally in an office, not cubicles, but obviously there is some cubicles in the back room where Toby lives. They give the, the least liked character the cubicles, but they're still in an office. They're still dealing with the sort of work life that I'm sure many people came home and they went right to the couch and they watched what they just saw. But it was done in such a way where it's like, oh, I have that guy, that guy and that girl who were always sort of flirting. Will they ever get together? That's pretty funny. That, that's Kenny and Sarah. It's just Jim and Pam on the show, you know? And, and I have that kind of weird dude where if I got to know him, maybe he's a nice guy, but I don't know. It's work. And, and should we become close with our coworkers? And, and that's the shape of Dwight Schrute, right? Once they all got to know him, he became that family member that you always want around, although you know he's going to give you a headache and a half. And of course, the boss who it's weird. Like I've had bosses before who you, you want to joke around with your boss, but then there's that dichotomy, that dynamic where it's like, but if we joke, I might say the wrong thing and you're kind of the boss here. So I got to watch myself. And so it's tough. And so that is, I think, an easier digestible way to sort of tackle the mundane, the day to day and to challenge because while the office did fit that 
I like to call sort of unwinding, replenishing after a long day, your alone time, your downtime to, to unwind. Well, it fit that bill. It, it also challenged what sitcoms were and I think fundamentally changed them. And we'll get into all that. But I still think it did that in a way where you could easily watch it and still get the same relaxation and replenishment for the next day and not have to micromanage subplots and alternate timelines. And if we're in the A plot, the B plot and the C plot. And there's something to be said for that. So that's my opening statement. All right. So I guess it's my turn to follow that up. So, I mean, there's so many different points that I want to tackle right off the bat, but again, I'll save those for round two, but uh, just so many things. All right. So I'm going to start off with a little preamble just about sitcoms in general. All right. You know what? Better yet. I've actually got a better idea. Let's talk about television itself, right? And what actually exists and the purpose to serve. Television in recent years has stepped up, to say the least. The medium has certainly evolved in order to incorporate new and uniquely different types of stories that are giving creators so many different outlets and avenues that they just simply don't have in the modern-day film economy, at least of yesteryear, of superhero and Star Wars blockbusters, right? But it wasn't always that way. Television, simply put, simply started out as a means of short-form entertainment in between advertisements, or in a layman's terms, it's a means to keep people's minds occupied while advertisers told them what to buy. Basically, they didn't have to put that much emphasis on actual story. They just had to show like some sketches of like some people doing silly things that eventually evolved into just real life scenarios, office workplaces, you know, just workplaces in general, usually like just friends gathering together in, in their apartments and just trading off laughs. It's, as long as the stuff that people were watching was entertaining enough to keep them distracted, right? So they didn't care about the advertisements that they had, right? There was just, there was just never this emphasis put on kind of the what it really meant to the viewer. There was just the quality medium was different. You know, there's a reason why certain actors would only do movies and certain actors would only do TV. And like all forms of entertainment and storytelling, there are certainly different varieties of genres within the medium. Typically for a show to take up an hour's worth of time, it'd be a serious drama versus the more simple lighthearted sitcoms that take up no more than a half hour. And that's how it was for years. The lines have certainly become blurred in recent years as to what is considered serious versus funny. But for the most part, the rules have usually remained intact. There's no hour-long sitcoms and there's no 30-minute dramas, at least. And because dramas are usually considered more serious, the more thought-provoking and intellectually curious stories are usually reserved for the hour-long slot. But that doesn't mean that the half hour doesn't offer anything as well. So Chris mentioned something about kind of what The Office serves versus kind of what sitcoms are supposed to serve. And I'm I'm just going to say off the bat, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that's kind of putting them in a box. My personal thoughts, right? So that brings us to the subjects of tonight. The office and community, sitcoms, half-hour slot shows, shows dedicated to laughter and lighthearted fare versus more dour, serious, thought-provoking affair. Or are they? The Office, a typical traditional workplace sitcom that's a remake of a British show that helped to transition the landscape of sitcoms from traditional three-camera setups to single-camera setups, as well as the introduction of the mainstream world of the fictionalized humorous documentary style or mockumentary. Community, a show about a zany group of friends that form a down that form a study group slash friend group at a downtrodden community college and go on a series of meta zany adventures together, all while poking fun at the very systems and tropes that have governed their structure for so many years, which helps to usher in a new style of humor, characterization, incentive, experimentation that at the time was considered very ahead of its time overall. So while both shows have certainly had their ups and downs, and while one show seems to be the clear winner just as far as Nielsen ratings goes, today. I'm making the case. Again, I understand I'm the underdog here. I understand that I'm battling against a whole decade's worth 
of people literally just wanted to turn their brains off and relate, I'm going to say, to humor that they feel is the perfect workplace sitcom humor. But I'm going to say that for the purposes of today, for this argument, Community is the better of these two shows in terms of overall quality, how it truly helped to elevate and push just the genre of sitcoms and what that type of television is capable of forward and how it helped to elevate television above what it could be. That is my opening statement. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> Let me just say that it's no wonder that people to tune into this station for your content. Those are brilliant. I'm excited to hear how like these arguments unfold in round two. And speaking of round two, the rules. Round two will be the main argument round where both of you will go back and forth defending your opening arguments. Now, if I feel one side is not giving the other side time to express their opinions and arguments, I will step into moderate, moderate, and hit that reset button. Hopefully that's not needed. So, Chris, you started with the round one. So, Dominic, you're going to start here, round two. All right. All right. Sounds good. So, to start off with, so... You mentioned something, Chris, again, I'm taking directly from what you said with your words about the office kind of being that show to wind down with the fact that people come back from a long period of, you know, a long work day going through whatever it is, and they just want to sit down, they want to relax, and they want to turn their brains off, right? I agree with that sentiment, obviously, for the purposes of, you know, playing devil's advocate here, but just for how it stands for TV to me and what TV has become obviously and what TV kind of stands to do, you know, kind of this evolved sense. I couldn't disagree more. I think the idea of saying that sitcoms not should be this way, but the fact that sitcoms kind of are this way by nature, I think is to put them in a box and doesn't really allow for experimentation going forward. That to me is like kind of part of the fun of watching TV, especially now. Like now, obviously the idea of TV has evolved so much that it's fun to experiment, right? And the idea of The Office, especially when it first started at the time as being kind of like this new thing that people hadn't seen before. Like people watch is like, oh, is this a documentary? Is this a real show? Whatever, whatever. And that was fine. It was fun. It was kitschy for the time overall. But I want to go back to what you said, which is the idea of people not wanting to think too hard. And I wouldn't say the community is trying to make people think too hard. But what I will say the community does that the office does not, which is that the community to me strives to challenge its viewers, whereas the office does not. So, for example, just the overall format and what sitcoms are capable of, right? Television has always been like kind of more of a lower budget medium. They have lower budgets to work with, but force the writers by nature to come up with more experimentation when it comes to what they're able to do as far as the storytelling allows them to do. And just the pure experimentation where in one season of this show alone, you have a stop motion animated episode, an episode entirely dedicated to playing Dungeons and Dragons, an episode where th that is a full on action movie that is an homage to two different movie genres while at the same time still being a self-contained paintball game that is one of the greatest action things I've ever seen versus The Office, which, while I will say that the mockumentary style was certainly revolutionary for at the time, the single camera setup was not it was not the first when it came to doing that because Arrested Development had already beat it to that game only a year before as far as the transition from traditional three cameras to a single camera setup as far as that goes. So while The Office gets props for the mockumentary style, just from the pure experimentation style, as far as just like kind of what we, what, you know, what we kind of come to expect. Like the office takes these certain ideas that we've come to understand and simply plays around with different variations on them versus community to me just takes them and just breaks them down to its knees, you know? 
Well, so this is where I uh, obviously disagree with you because if you think about it with community, I mean, The Office didn't need to have a theme of the week to keep viewership. The Office had characters that were so built out and so in-depth that you tuned in to see what was happening to them next. I mean, I personally... Some of my favorite moments from The Office were watching some of the supporting cast interact. You know, that Stanley and Phyllis relationship. They worked across from each other for all those years. And at first you just thought they were coworkers, but really they had each other's backs. You know, when Stanley broke up with his wives, who did he call for consultants? It was Phyllis. You know, she was there. She was his friend, not just coworkers. The, uh, the community does that and they give you those moments through over-dramatized, you know, Christmas specials where we're stop motion and through video game episodes where just to understand that a character had a rocky road with his father, we have to go through this whole elaborate situation, which to be honest with you, always felt like just taking up time because the studios ordered an X amount of episodes in a season and we just don't have the same depth with the characters to get us to keep coming back like The Office does. So we need to build these elaborate roundabout ways to get from point A to point B and fill a 21 minute slot. What and one thing that you kind of misconstrued that I had said early on was it's people watch sitcoms for those reasons. I said, I never said they watch television for those reasons. So you kind of box the argument into television as a whole. And that's where I think it falls apart because sitcom is a section of television. Sure. You have your dramas that air on weeknights as well, but the big ones are always Sunday nights. And why is that? Because people have off on a Sunday, they're going to be more relaxed. They're going to be more refreshed. So they have time to jump in and digest something that takes a little more mental room, a little more capacity to really get the full effect of basically they're refreshed. They're recharged from having their Saturday off, their Friday night off, probably watching a sitcom to then prepare for work the next day. And on that Sunday, digest something a little heavier. And while The Office does have its traditional sitcom roots, and I'm going to pass it off to you after this, it did still challenge people. Community is not the only sitcom of that era to challenge people. What The Office did was it challenged people in a more politically and a more timely way. You know, it took the old thought process, the old world, the Archie Bunker mentality, if you will, and fused it with sort of the more free-thinking, free-flowing society that we're now seeing come about. And it meshed those two worlds by different characters of different ages and walks of life coming together in this crazy over-exaggerated workplace. A great example is the Diversity Day episode where Michael is clearly trying to understand what's happening in the world, but he's of his generation and he can't help it. He's not ill-intended, but it doesn't come off in the way that he thinks it should. And so it challenges you in a different way. You don't always have to do a bottle episode to challenge someone's capacity of higher thinking. I think that the, what you were describing before about the kind of the needing to put the characters in a box in order to get them from point A to point B is describing just television writing and just storytelling in general. That's literally the definition of storytelling. And as far as kind of to challenge your point about like the, the community characters and how like you feel like the, the, the time to get to know characters again, that's a point that's simply applicable to television in general. You get to know characters simply based on the amount of time that you spend with them in just over the course of these certain amount of seasons. And the thing that to me kind of makes community, I guess, more special just as far as that goes is the idea of it is a much smaller group of characters. So you get to know them that much better. And the fact that 
Like it feels like the community characters feel like these crazy, original, well thought out, well constructed characters that even though they go on these zany adventures, the adventures can kind of become such pure expressions of themselves and how it always kind of relates back to a specific theme. I think that just the ways in which community does that and kind of the experimental, you know, kind of the experiments and kind of the risks that it takes just... It, it feels so much more fresh than something like The Office, where, again, I could watch an episode of The Office, and after a while, I'm struggling to get through it, just as far as how it's paced, just as far as, like, how it feels the need to, like, make you feel as cringed as possible, and how it's, like, it, it has to go out of its way to be, like, oh, the characters are of their time. The characters are, oh, what's it called? The characters are kind of stuck in their ways. But as a result, you kind of like have to feel sorry for them because, you know, that's just kind of the way things are. And that actually brings me up to another point that I wanted to bring out, which is that uh, community, despite its meta nature, kind of never loses sight of the fact that it is a TV show. And while that may seem kind of redundant, it actually allows it to kind of, in a way, have more creative freedom than I think any other show does. Like the thing about The Office that always kind of turns me off is The Office, again, it, it's in kind of like it's, and kind of like it's constantly pressing need to remind you oh just like you know just remind you about real life it's like just me i don't want to watch a show that reminds me about my real life and my real life work literally the definition i one of the best definitions of the show and kind of why it was such a hit is because it's the definition of the water cooler show people talk of the water cooler about certain things just mundane regular everyday life things and sure that's relatable but like after a while it's like I mean, come on, can you give me something new? And to me, community gives us that. Like, community's just thorough understanding of its medium and its understanding of the different genres that it's dipping into and the way that it's able to mix that and the way that it, and it's shot in a way that, like, perfectly accentuates that. It kind of elevates it to a level above that I just, I don't know if The Office ever personally hit. Like, it certainly had its fun moments. Don't get me wrong. Like I love office Olympics and I love Scott's tots and I have my individual episodes of the office that I do love. But at the end of the day, it's like, I get it. Like, and the fact that they're able to churn out like 22, 23, 28 episodes out of just kind of these regular mundane everyday life things and just kind of make them silly and make them cringe and make them ridiculous. But for the purposes of like, just ridiculous for the sake of being ridiculous as opposed to actually like kind of well thought out, like well intended, just like kind of these crazy scenarios for the purposes of accomplishing a theme that it's set up. Like one of the things that I love looking at is Dan Harmon's kind of circle of his eight sequence structure of like what he does with his characters throughout and how each and every single episode that he is involved with in community Every single character on that show goes through that, and it's really impressive. And it's definitely a thing of where I mean, I'm not going to blame this on the office's overall ensemble because I think again, for it to juggle that many characters, it's impressive to say the least. But I certainly don't get that sense from like every single episode. I get that like fully rounded quest from everyone, and I get it. That's not its intent, but at the same time, it's like, come on. Yeah. So you're speaking about the medium and how community excelled in its medium. So then I kind of ask everyone here, why was the office, the water cooler show of its day? If community was so groundbreaking within its medium, why didn't it captivate the hearts and minds of millions of people, you know, commanding seasons, even after Steve Carell left? Because it quite simply did what all sitcoms fear and it alienates its audience after a while, especially after we lose Dan Harmon the first time, you know, there's a charm at first. I'll give you that. Like I said, it's in my top 10 favorite show of all time. It's just lower on that list than the office because there is obviously a lot of special unique qualities to community, 
but it plays its hand pretty early on. I do have to say that because even you and I have said that in later seasons of The Office, you know, when Spader gets involved, there's a charm in that season. When, you know, at the end, that that last season, which I famously in this podcast said I, I dislike, but we both said it was at least well-written up to that finale and they recovered from what was a pretty pitiful season. And it's because they have these characters that, don't alienate the audience. And and with Abed in specific, you know, it does get a little old after a while in regards to how everything has to be about him and what he's going through and all these different movies and scenarios. It's, I'm a film guy. I'm, you know, I've become a cinephile, so I appreciate it. But like my parents, they tried to watch Community and it was tough for them because they don't know all these deep references and it made them work harder than sitcoms traditionally try to do. And if we're talking about this era of honestly the sitcom, I mean, I think before these shows we had Seinfeld, King of Queens, Everybody Loves Raymond that paved the way for the dynamic era of the sitcoms that was the early 2000s. I'm talking about the envelope pushers, Parks and Rec included with these two shows we're talking about. I think there's a reason that this is the lowest out of all of them in regards to popularity and staying power. And it's because it shows its hand. You know, there's only so many times that Greendale can get trashed and destroyed. And at the end, Jeff gives a very corny passe speech that somehow ropes it all back together. We snap the fingers and it was a dream. There was no zombies. There was no whatever, you know? There's only so many times we can get that same formulaic approach. Whereas The Office, while it was easier to digest, where I disagree with you in regards to its impact, is it always kept you on his heels because you never knew what Michael was going to do. And if it was a tame Michael episode, well, you have a whole other cast of people with their own issues. Meredith, you never knew what she was going to do. Stanley, you know, towards the end, he got a bit more bashful and sort of came into his own as a character. Jim, Pam, Obviously, Dwight. I mean, if Michael wasn't flying off the handles, Dwight was. But what these characters did was they didn't fly off the handles without purpose. You know, they were a dysfunctional family that was trying to make it work. They were trying to fight the layoffs that were always inevitably coming, which never did, which is obviously the running gag of the show, where Abed's running gag is six seasons in a movie. Sitcoms all have those tropes. I just think what The Office did was found a way to be more marketable, more relax, relaxation-oriented, while also still challenging the medium and pushing it forward. It fit what sitcoms set out to do in a stronger fashion, in my opinion. And what we're talking about tonight is the better sitcom, the better show that falls under that category. This, those are some of the reasons, and I have many more, why I think The Office achieved that. You certainly bring up a good point when it comes to the characters. And I can, just speaking from personal experience, could certainly understand why a character like Abed would be such a turnoff to certain people. And, but you also mentioned the idea of kind of viewers. And that was something that I wanted to get into because, unfortunately, as much as I hate to do it, this is not a show about who watched it and how many people watch again. If we're talking about that objectively, The Office wins in a landslide. We're talking about this from the subjective realm, you know, just kind of the overall quality of the show overall. And I'll be the first person to admit, I understand that Community was not a ratings hit at all. It lost ratings with every single season. And the kind of the fact that it's now seen a second renewed life on Netflix is kind of a demonstration of that. But you mentioned, obviously, Community's most dreaded and maligned fourth season. Obviously, Dan Harmon famously fired after season three. Uh, due to his um, alcoholism and uh, uh, certain advances on certain workers, but obviously famously came out publicly apologized for them. It was brought back on for season five, which obviously famously saw the departure of uh, certain of the cast members, obviously. But I think it's a testament kind of to, and again, this is just specifically for what happened within the show, taking aside the creative outlets out of it, how 
community for the most part was able to bounce back given all the hurdles that it had to overcome for its fifth and sixth seasons and even managed to turn out some absolutely incredible episodes. Whereas The Office, a lot of people agree after Michael leaves, kind of fell down. They kind of tried to renew it with season eight and they did their damnedest. And then Chris, you and I both agree, it fell apart as far as that last season went. They pretty much gave up and it was just them kind of dragging their feet until the finale versus community kind of almost kind of, you know, was on this little bit of an upward spiral and even to me kind of managed to revamp its premise almost with the idea of you asked how many times could they possibly trash Greendale? They literally managed to invert that whole process by saying, let's try to actually save Greendale as far as these last two seasons go, which allowed for even more overall scenarios. You know, again, obviously that magic of those first three seasons was never going to be there, obviously. But again, it factors into a larger argument that I put towards TV shows, which is that to me, again, TV shows that run on forever and pretty much are the same thing over and over again are boring to me. And those shows are not interesting as far as that goes. And the fact the community, even within those first three seasons, was able to change up so much so often overall. And the fact that it's able to continue to be so experimental where after arguably one of the biggest season finales with that giant paintball war at the end of season two, you get an episode like Remedial Chaos Theory, which is one of the most groundbreaking and advanced sitcoms, the idea of putting in multiple storylines. And for me, at least, managing to make it completely cohesive and understandable throughout the entire time, which is what brings me to... Probably my most controversial point, which is that I mentioned before the community challenges its audience to think higher and to kind of put more in, more thought in than the usual sitcom does. Again, it's it's asking a lot. I understand that first and foremost. It's asking a lot. But I think the community does it in a way that kind of really accentuates and allows people to kind of think back. And even if they don't necessarily enjoy it at first, they can always go back and be like, oh, that was pretty funny, you know? And I certainly disagree. I think that even with all the meta humor, there's certainly it's a fair share of humor that can still make people laugh like over and over and over again. Like there's a fair share of just like kind of lowbrow, just fart and, you know, just cringe sex jokes that are just hilarious and make me laugh over and over again. Versus The Office, to me, one of the biggest things I think that is such a turnoff for me personally with The Office that I think, again, I don't know if this is just a fact of kind of a lot of people just kind of enjoyed this, but overall, but people to me, from my experience, they enjoy consequence-free television. This idea of manufactured tension for the sake of fooling people into thinking that there's a story where is there really isn't. And the thing that I noticed overall, you mentioned the idea of, oh, you never knew what Michael's going to do. And that kind of just annoyed me because I'm like, yeah, Michael's going to keep doing all this stupid shit and he's going to keep getting away with it overall, you know, versus the community cast. Every single time they went on a crazy adventure or everything, there was always a lesson to be learned at the end of the day. And they always changed and they always grew as people. And even if Abed kind of kept coming back and kept kind of encasing everyone in his movie adventures, there was always kind of something that he gained from it and some new insight. And like, it, like by the time community ends at the end of its sixth season, every single one of those characters is fully changed and fully formed versus Michael for the majority of the office goes kind of unchallenged and faces relatively little consequences. And the minute that you think there's actually going to be some consequences for him, some act of God comes in and completely saves him. Oh, he's uh, what's it called? He. Oh, what's it called? They fire Holly. Oh, he's going to leave and form the Michael Scott paper company. Oh, they're going to buy him back because he's somehow this incredible boss, even though he seems to be the village idiot in the office. Oh, Saber is coming in and buying the company. Oh, they're completely saved. Oh, he just like cracks like multiple sexual harassment jokes. Oh, but he gets around it because he makes fun of the human resources office officer who feels, you know, diminuized overall. You know, it's like, I'm like, there's only so much of that. I'm like, sure, it's funny, I guess. I mean, again, humor is subjective overall, so I'm not making an argument or a statement on that, but it's like, after a while, it's like we get it. Versus Pierce, how many of the same racist jokes does Pierce make? And 
the group calls him out on it every single time. And even though it seems like there's not a chance that peers can change, the group kind of, for the most part, never gives up on him. And I'll even make a statement and an argument to make that even during that heinous fourth season, I'll be the first person to admit that fourth season is the worst thing to come out of community. There are still some pretty good episodes. And there are still some episodes that seek to challenge the characters and seek to put them in uncomfortable situations that they have to actually find genuine ways to work themselves out of. Like for me, the Freaky Friday episode and using that as a way for like, Troy to come to terms with the fact that he's not in love with Britta anymore, I think is very well done as well as just providing for some hilarious just excuses for Jim Rash to try and impersonate Joel McHale. I think it's absolutely well done. Versus again, how many like cracks about Meredith being an alcoholic am I going to hear? How many different variations are they going to do to the fact that Kevin is stupid and should not be an accountant? Like how many different, you know, it's just like kind of the same rep, repetitive things that I see over and over and over again, which also brings up another point that I wanted well, to bring hang up. On. I'm going to unpack yeah. some of that. First. All right. All right. You can frame that that way and it works, but here's where you're wrong because basically, you know, you want to talk about Steve Carell, not growing and becoming a new person. That finale, that send off where he imparts apologies where they're needed. He imparts a hug when it's needed. And he kind of makes up for being a terrible boss throughout the whole time. Uh, not a terrible boss in the sense of, you know, putting them at harm intentionally, but understanding that this person that he found, Holly, kind of made him realize how ridiculous of a person he was. And so when he goes to help her parents and leaves, he's not doing anything for himself in that moment. That's growth right there. Maybe Jeff Winger, the former lawyer, is clearly a more intelligent character coming in, but that doesn't mean they can't achieve the same level of growth. You know, Steve Carell goes from being someone who's selfless to someone or selfish to someone who's selfless. And I think that that is very sweet and very charming. And I think a lot of what you just said is framing because you leave out sort of the parts where community community does the same things that you say the office does in, in negative light. It's sitcoms. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about sitcoms and how they function and how they work and how they serve to, you know, please the people who turn them on to watch them and why, why some thrive and some fail. There's formula to that. There's a formulaic nature to these types of shows, these types of network shows, which I'll give you. Now we're starting to see that break away with Netflix in regards to shows like Ricky Gervais's Afterlife, which is such a morbid, dark comedy that would not thrive on a network. Let's just be honest. It tackles way too many issues and in too many disrespectful lights. But this was the 2000s and this was the name of the game, the way you had to play ball back then. So there, there are these moments that are predictable that community keeps reproducing. Like Michael Scott keeps you on edge every episode because that's just what Michael Scott does. Jeff Winger's going to hit you with a corny preschool style speech where you learn that sharing is caring or that you shouldn't be rude to someone. It's just going to happen because the writing can only be done so de deeply in 21 minutes. It's like even the greatest writers of all time have to work within that 21 minute confinement. And so at the end of the day, you find these character tropes, which all shows have Michael being zany over the top haphazard, Jeff Winger being the silent guy who takes it all in until that very moment where they all look to him for his leadership. And bam, there he is. He gives one little monologue. Abed points to him for the monologue first. Actually, he gives that monologue and then they're all good. They walk out with their arms around each other, cut to that music. And we, we pan out from that study room doorway into that hallway. And it's, so you can make those arguments and, and belittle the office in that regard, but let's just be honest, your show does that too. And the other thing I want to say is that's not a bad thing, 
but I do think the reason that The Office is the better sitcom is because Community alienates its viewers with how deep it goes into different things that you need to do a lot of homework for Community. If you're not a film buff, if you're not a cinephile, you, there's no way you're going to fire at 100% with this show. You're going to miss references. You're going to miss techniques. You're going to miss homages. And it's going to go over your head. And that's totally fine. That's a creative choice. But if we're talking about a very marketable genre, the, re- the relaxation unwinding genre... Maybe that's why The Office was the water cooler sitcom of its day and Community wasn't. It certainly helps, obviously, that The Office had a full five years before uh, Community came on the scene again. Community kind of came in at like this very, very fluid, very changing time. The year of 2009 was certainly that 2008, 2009. I'm sorry, that 07-09 period was certainly a very, very interesting, very fluid period for television itself. Obviously, you saw longtime shows like The Sopranos and The West Wing finally coming to an end. You had some new dramas coming on the scene like Lost, The West Wing. Sorry, like Lost, like Dexter, like House, obviously. But that 07 and 09, that was certainly when things started to get experimental, right? AMC put out Mad Men and Breaking Bad. NBC started Parks and Rec, which started off as kind of like this spiritual successor to The Office and then kind of grew into its own thing, right? So, Definitely, there's always kind of be kind of this sort of cognitive dissonance well, around just, the show. Just to get some history there, Lost and Dexter were around 2004 and 2005, a little bit earlier. A little bit earlier, but like starting, starting the kind of the charge that would eventually... Those, I would say, were the shows that even gave Community and The Office legs to stand on in regards to the narrative and the way they changed television. You know, Dexter kind of sucks, I think, but like it still yeah. is in that batch of like pushing the traditional format forward. But they do come a little bit further just for the historical context being right here. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted yeah, to... So what I was going to say about that as far as continuing my point is kind of community comes in at this time that's this very changing time right so you mentioned before this idea of community kind of commits some of these you know sins with these sitcom tropes too yes and no because what i see kind of with those tropes and is kind of you know as kind of playing around with them yes jeff winger does give the corny speeches but what i kind of take away from that is i'm like yeah he's doing the corny speeches but he kind of knows that they're corny and they have this understanding that the speeches like kind of are that, that like it is kind of ridiculous at the study group and they're actively mocking and making fun of the fact that kind of everyone could just kind of come together and everything resolved by these kind of crazy stupid speeches overall and as far as certain of the tropes i wanted to actually take a specific example now that, that you brought that up you know what 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 is one of the biggest things when it comes to kind of sitcoms in general Office romance, right? Romance and the will they or won't they nature of characters. It's been in sitcoms since the beginning of time, obviously going all the way back to Cheers with Sam and Diane, which community even specifically poked fun at with Shirley saying, oh, you two are like Sam and Diane. I hated Sam and Diane, actively poking fun of the will they won't they nature of TV. So I'm going to break that down a little bit further. So you take a couple like Jim and Pam versus a couple like Jeff and Britta. Jim and Pam, latest in the long line of Will There, Won't They TV, which inevitably results in them getting together. The chase itself is entertaining, but the result is still the same. So much so that the last season of this show specifically puts them in a forced manufactured situation which they experience relationship issues for the sake of manufacturing tension, just because the ultimate chase is kind of resolved. And at the end of the day, it's the same. I'm like, I'm sorry, there's no difference to me between Jim and Pam versus um, Marshall and Lily versus um, Ross and Rachel and every single other one. Like, they're all unique, obviously, to those characters, but, like, the kind of the result is the same. But you take something like Jeff and Britta for the first season of Community, right? Jeff and Britta, they spend an entire season with Jeff actively pursuing Britta, almost like a predator, at least for those first couple episodes, only to be shot down. But they both experience insecurities because Jeff assures Britta that just because he's pursuing her doesn't mean that he doesn't value her as a person or a friend. While Britta realizes that Jeff uses his overly bearing hypermasculinity as a facade for his own many insecurities. And that allows them to grow closer, not only just as potential lovers, but as friends as well. 
And at the end of the day, they end up sleeping together various times. It kind of ends up being casual. And as a result of wildly varying circumstances, it kind of gets thrown out the window at the end of the first season when Jeff ends up kissing Annie, basically kind of asking the question, why does this even matter? And that kind of factors into a lot of things that community does where what a lot of people regard as kind of reinforcing the tropes while at the same time coding it in these references that people have to do all this homework into. What I actively view that as, and again, what the fans of the show do, because you talked about this show alienating viewers. Again, you talk to any one of those community heads overall and like they will defend this show to the death, obviously. But again, I don't want to bring fan bases into this because trust me, I know plenty of active well, Every show can yeah. shows can find followings. I'm talking about wide scale audience right. acceptance. Wide scale audience acceptance, which again is, I still think, I still think not necessarily a moot point, but I don't think it's fair as far as the argument goes, because again, we already decided the fact that as far as the widespread audience show, The Office wins. Can I just remind everyone before I hand it back over to you, I only bring it up when we're talking about the functionality of a sitcom and what show works better within those confinements. Right, exactly. The, the, purpose of, the purpose for the, for the purposes of just television shows in general, the purpose is to gain an audience overall. That's the purposes of make money from the economic standpoint of it. But community, what it does is it takes those kind of tropes and asks why do they matter, which is to me something that no other sitcom really does. It, again, as far as pushing the envelope, as far as pushing the kind of what it is that television is capable of, you know? And the fact that we get this again from a sitcom, which is a form out of television that we are so conditioned to know the tropes of so much so that people keep going back to it for its familiarity but the fact that a show like that can exist and have that kind of level of sophistication to it for lack of a better word and the fact that it can still be just as entertaining just as humorous just as enjoyable it's like how many times in the office am i gonna see michael make a cringe reference or dwight do something stupid or jim prank dwight while at the same time like having like this fun goofy back and forth that pam i get that shit for episode after episode after episode before I finally get something different versus community. They do it once. It's fun. It's entertaining. It lasts maybe a season or more. And then they run and they add something new overall. That to me is what marks for the, the truly great and interesting shows. So the shows that are able to kind of continue with that, that are kind of able to take that and run with it overall. Sure. Again, you can say those things, but then what do you call Jeff and Annie playing this game of cat and mouse for six seasons straight? Do they it's the same. It's the same exact thing as will they get together? Won't they get back together? It's and then Jeff and Britta bouncing back and forth in the later seasons, having that little revival, that that flame there, where they're really just getting together out of desperation. And, and so I think you know you got to understand that this is just how sitcoms operate. And so I, I feel like y- your points are sound when you leave out the bits of information that directly paint the picture that your show does the same things that you're poking my show and just at. And so why I think the office excels when you shine lights on those types of things is because it doesn't need to, you know, paint the school in a pillow fort or in paintball or, you know, have it turn into a nightclub to keep people hooked and to keep you on the edge of your seat and to keep your heartstrings tugging we don't really ever really get that much change in, in the way we watch The Office. It's always the same setting, the mundane. Exactly. I don't want to watch the same thing over and over. As they get promoted and as they sort of go through what other what people in real life go through, you know, you get promoted, you get demoted. It's all based on how well you do in real life. And, and so I, I do think that you're, you're conveniently leaving things out that sort of benefit your point. And, and real quick, let me now get into my actual rebuttal. I just kind of had to real quickly... Um, just, you know, paint that picture in because I think to not tell the audience how clear that is, is unfair. And, you know, so I kind of wanted to jump into something else here in regards to, you know, these shows and 
I feel like you're misconstruing a bit of what I'm saying. I'm not talking about viewership retention. I'm not talking about the money that each show made. I'm just talking about how they thrived and what they did that was giving them the legacies that they have. Both shows clearly have a legacy, but I think The Offices is stronger because... You know, it's it's not just these zany gags. It's not just these crazy bits. These characters care about each other, and you're conveniently leaving that out every time you speak about them. You, you know, these characters will literally go to bat for one another. When Steve Carell shows up after a long and terrible day to Pam's art show and, like, looks at her paintings and has the breath knocked out of him, that's some of the most genuine moments. Sure, he has the candy bar in his pocket from getting berated at Ryan's business school, but that's just what the episode had them go through. I mean, that's just those characters characteristically bringing their comedy to what otherwise was a very charming and human moment. And community does the same thing. So these shows, they, they do the same thing. So you can't leave out conveniently that your show does one thing that's good when my show does the same thing. And also when your show has this, when my show has the problems that your show also has, we just can't be doing that here to have an honest debate about where these shows live and die on their merits by. See, now you're misconstruing my points because I'm not conveniently leaving that stuff out. I've actively discussed each and every single one of those shows. tropes, And in fact, I'm not stating that like community like actively like doesn't do that. I'm simply stating that community is a deconstruction of those tropes. With, you know, but the, people like, always want deconstructions, though. I almost feel like that it's is not a matter of what people want, though. And I think that's kind of what we're confusing, right? That's always been the kind of the confusion of TV is figuring out what it is that people want versus kind of what it is that people don't want. I personally have found that like much more people enjoy, like, whenever I point out, like, again, it's like it's always a trick, but kind of the first time that people enjoy it's like the fact that it's so new and it's so different. And the jokes, like, I've shown community to plenty of people that have just enjoyed it for just wow, this is simply just something that I've never seen before, just as far as sitcoms go again the idea about the office is the office is supposed to be that comfort food for you know but it's like how many times am i going to go back to that you know eventually i'm going to want something new at the end of the day that kind of and the office offers plenty new but here's the thing i think that it's almost because we're talking about sitcoms and what's the better sitcom i think community already starts off on a bad foot by joking about what it is people don't again this is just the whole metatextual nature. It's off-putting. Not everyone wants to dissect and think about this deep reference and oh, was that a Star Trek or a, a, or a you know Stargate reference or what? What is what is this uh, character that they brought in? What where does he from? And and Jeff's whole thing of sort of taking, like you said earlier, you were talking about how. Jeff kind of knows that he's giving a preschool style, and that was me saying the preschool thing, but giving a speech that sort of wraps it up in a nice bow tie, and. That, I mean, but what am I getting out of that episode then? I'm just getting the same thing each time. Jeff knows he's going to do this each time. Where's the growth there? So what I'm saying is I disagree when I say where's the growth there, but you kind of make the same level of argument for The Office where I can clearly point out that Michael going to Pam's art show after he had a long, terrible day when he easily could have went home, just forgotten about it, poured himself a glass of scotch or whatever, and just unwinded. He went there because... As a character, they had grown so much at that point in the show. I believe that's the fifth season. He had to go and support Pam, you know, do or die. Even if he was having a bad day, nothing was going to stop him from going and supporting someone he really cared about. I think the idea that kind of that that kind of these characters are put in these situations where they're like that 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 feel repetitive over and over again. 
just the idea of the office. It's like, how many times am I going to watch Michael kind of do the same goof off thing that like, it should be ridiculous. It should get him fired and then just walk away consequence free. You know, like he, he goes to Pam's art show after he had a bad day. Like what? As like a, as, as like a consultation in order to make himself feel better. Just, I'm not going to say it feels manipulative after a bit, but it certainly does after a while where, where he is, even if community is kind of getting, repetitive, I guess, for lack of a better word. I just, I never find it repetitive as far as kind of what it's able to pull out. You know, you mentioned the idea of Michael. You never know what Michael's going to do each week. Well, I'm like, yeah, I never know what the study group's going to do each week, whether they're like having to, you know, say, save, save a bus. That's like a former chicken farm or whether they're going to have to, you know, literally save Abed from a prison of his own imagination or whether they're going to have to simply, you know, free the school from Chang who took it over somehow as a dictator, you know, just like kind of that thought, that level of experimentation. It's again, how many times am I going to go back to the same set on the office? How many times am I going to have to listen to like the same ridiculous jokes, just like about just like kind of the mundanity of real life. It just brings it back to the idea of, when I watch a show, the whole idea, right, of television is escapism, right? It's es- it's escapism. It's just something that feels more comforting. Why on earth is a show about kind of the real-life boring work that kind of just reminds you of being at the office entertaining? Like, just that kind of – that conundrum. It's never really made sense to me overall. Yeah. So the same can be said, though, in regards to with Steve Carell, your argument of – you know, well, why, when will they get expelled? How many times can they trash the school before they get expelled? Why do I want to keep watching a show where there's no consequences for students who clearly keep destroying their college? And what I'm trying to tell you is that's not what sitcoms are about. <laughs> sitcoms are about the repetitive, the repetitive formula and how we challenge them within them. And what The Office does is they don't need all the smoke and mirrors that community does to take those traditional tropes and, and challenge them and push them forward. And all sitcoms have tropes. We've talked about Jeff Winger's speech that he gives every time he needs to save the day. And we've talked about Michael Scott's off-put a near borderline cringe offensive humor that he will interject into any awkward situation to make it already awkward. Okay. Both shows have their stick, but what I think the office has that community doesn't is the office has a way of not having to go over the top to keep you hooked because they rely on the characters and their bond and their writing instead of relying on the situations that we can put their characters in and how they will react. It's more down to earth. And I think that's why it thrives. And I think that's why it resonates with so many more people. What I kind of want to wrap up with as far as my overall main arguments is that is that community ultimately shows that sitcoms don't have to be you. Again, the idea of sitcoms kind of being repetitive by nature, that to me, just from my standpoint, is putting them in a box. And it's telling us kind of what sitcoms are. And to me, again, I watch a television show, forget if it's a sitcom or a drama, you know, just like I want, I don't want to be reminded of the same thing over and over again. It's part of the reason why I just, I can't go back and just binge a whole show the way you know, a whole 10, 11, like 22 episode of season sitcom overall, you know, because of just the same thing over and over again. I want something that's going to feel fresh. I want something that's going to feel new. I want something that's going to be kind of up in the ante. And as far as kind of the, the over the top nature of it, I think it works because that's what community, it's not something the community throws in last minute. It's not like the show is double is like duping you. It's just by nature of what the show is as far as, as far as creating these scenarios that help create these over the top 
satirical natures to help accentuate the subject matter, right? The whole idea of getting across these ideas and themes is that they're best done with satire. I'm not going to say the shock value is an inherent part of it because I don't think it's ever really been a part of the show. But I guess where the idea is that where the office feels like it has to shock you at certain points, with community, the shock comes naturally overall. And it just makes the stories feel so much better. And it makes the episodes to me so much more engaging overall. And the fact that they're able to still have a complete and cohesive story for, again, the same amount of time for 22 episodes, and they can have like a full fulfilled arc completely with very rarely a fill. Like they'll have filler episodes, but very rare filler episodes that kind of creates for this whole overall unique viewing experience versus The Office feels like there's so much drag. And it, The Office to me is just such a stark reminder of kind of what sitcoms, what sitcoms kind of just are, you know? So the Office tells me uh, what sitcoms are, and Community tells me what sitcoms could be. That's that's my final argument as far as that goes. Yeah, I was also feeling about getting to the closing arguments as well, to not keep playing a game of cat and mouse for too much longer, but this is where I 100% disagree with you. I think that you're failing to see that The Office did challenge the medium of the sitcom while still staying true to what the sitcom was, though, and I think that's very important. I think that not only was a part of its success, but a part of its charm, and I think that's what made it unique as well, because you know, you're interested in film, Dom. You love film. You have all these references, all this back knowledge that I quite literally might never have. But The Office challenged the sitcom in different ways by introducing the political framework of the time, you know, progressivism making its way more into society and old guard clashing with new guard. It, it didn't necessarily pay homage to film like Community did, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't groundbreaking and it wasn't interesting. In fact, having that multi-generational cast and that multinational nationality cast, I think is a part of the charm. Whereas The Office, I think, is a true examination of people and how if people have a common goal, they can overcome any difference to work together and come together. And I think that it's more pertinent today than it ever was. And I think it will only continue to grow and be more pertinent because of how it challenged these frameworks that we've just been so sort of forced into left or right, up or down. The office said, Hey, let's, let's go a different direction and let's show that at the end of the day, family is really what matters. So it takes a traditional sitcom feeling and fuses it with the writer's own tastes. Dan Harmon, obviously a huge lover of film and, and cinema like you, he chose to put his twist on the sitcom genre because all these sitcoms of this era revolutionized the sitcom. Yeah. But I think why The Office resonated so much though was just because this was this writer's, these writers' way of sort of taking that formula of shows that came before them and progressing it further. So it's not, it's not caught in a box. If anything, it opened the floodgates for successful shows that have come after it. I mean, look at Parks and Rec as a point in case. Without The Office, we would never have Parks and Rec. All right. Um, are you both ready to move towards round three? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So round three, the final deciding round. Both of you will get a final opportunity to defend your case, the Hail Mary, if you will. Now, it's crucial to understand that, as with the opening round, there will be no interruptions. At the conclusion of this round, I'll give my objective decision based solely on the arguments tonight for which sitcom is better. So, Chris, you start. Cool. Yeah. So, I guess I'll just pick up right where I left off because it's literally been less than a minute. <laughs> um, I just, <laughs> just kind of want to say, you know... Because this whole debate, again, goes back to the sitcom and what is the better sitcom. And so I think a part of that is staying true to the medium that you're in. And I've spoken ad nauseum about how The Office 
found a way to pay homage to the old guard in regards to the formula, the structure, the pacing, right? It had its 20, 21 minute episode, 22 minute seasons, like any other sitcom in that era and all sitcoms before it. But it wasn't as boxy as Dom's making it out to seem. I think there's a reason I've watched it 15 times. I think that there's a reason that Billy continues to watch it to this day. I think there's a reason that it's one of the most meme shows of all time because it permeated pop culture in a way that I don't think anyone could have predicted. And I think it's because of the foresight of the writers to not only take the politics of the day and, and make them different than the media that was presenting it to them, make it playful, make it a way to escape because escapism is important. I do agree with you there, Dom, but it did that in a way where it didn't have to take you on this crazy Indiana Jones journey to impart some wisdom on you. And that's why I will always covet this show and go back to the show. Even in the darkest times, I can find some light in the office because it knows the characters and it respects them. And there's a lot of cringe, but it does want you to feel good. It's, it's not as narcissistic as people would make it seem. There's love in that show. All right. So obviously I think it's safe to say that I've been fighting an uphill battle this entire time, but I knew that. I knew that was gonna. I knew that was gonna be a point of reference at some point. And again, I don't want my thoughts to kind of be misconstrued as far as thinking that The Office is not revolutionary. It is. It absolutely is. Like there are so many different kind of opportunities within comedy and kind of what television shows are generally capable of because of The Office. But I think that I come back to with Community over and over again. Yes, the over the top ref- the over the top nature of it, the zany nature of it the characters, the kind of the, the types that they embody and ultimately deconstruct the Indiana Jones-esque adventure nature of it and kind of how they break that down. Again, I, I like some adventure. I'm guilty of that. But I think the thing that it comes down to where when I look at a TV show, and I think I'm not the only one, I think there are a decent amount of people who do this, is when I look at a TV show, I'm not looking for something that's just going to be comfort food. I'm not looking for something that's kind of remind me of the limitations of television and the format in general. I'm looking for something, obviously, that'll challenge me. And again, that sets me personally apart from other viewers. But when you take something that can take the root, right, what's the number one rule, obviously, in the film world? And just in any kind of, I feel like, conventional world in general, as far as being the, um, you know, the go-to, as far as kind of improving. You take the rules and you break them. And I've said before, the office took the rules and ran with them and kind of reshaped them for what they could be. And community took them and broke them apart overall. It took every system, every convention there was, every single kind of format that we had kind of come to understand about these sitcoms and broke them down and gave them to us in a way that was least expected. And that to me at the end of the day, is what makes for the best shows. Like, I've said this time and time again, and I think this is a point that a lot of people share with me, is the shows that they come back to over and over again are the shows that impress them, the shows that they never see coming. And the thing that's interesting, just as far as that goes, is The Office is a show, you can watch it again and again and again and again and again, but after a while, again, you're just watching it because you know what you're getting. With Community, you could watch the one episode, 14 different times and get something completely new from it every single time, whether it's a subplot, a background prop. You mentioned the idea of people don't want to have to do homework when it is that they're watching a show. But that to me, the idea of doing homework has always been subjected to people themselves. People are only doing homework on a show if they feel like they have to do homework on a show. The show is what it is as far as its intent overall. It's not expecting people to do certain things. It simply presents what it is and people choose to react to that, you know, based entirely on their own interpretations, obviously. And 
for community to be able to have that overall and still be fighting this uphill battle and still be respected after all this time. That to me is what's going to stand the test of time overall as for what is the better sitcom versus the office, which is something that at the end of the day still to me serves to reinforce some of those old school tendencies and tropes that people yes, enjoy for comfort food and will ultimately come back to. But to me, again, those are the things that don't last with time. And there are certain elements of that that don't age particularly well with time. But again, that's that, that's an argument for a different day as far as that concern. Well, well said, both of you. Uh, it's an understatement. Now, I'll be honest. I went into tonight thinking this would be an easy decision. I did. <laughs> um, both of you guys brought up incredible arguments. And Dom, like you said, to be frank, it wasn't just an uphill battle. It was the world's largest uphill battle. And I thoroughly enjoyed climbing that mountain with you and listening to your points. And I promise you I came into this argument with as blank a slate as possible. I understand. Now, if you're watching this, you heard the arguments. You have your own winner. Um, and, I, and I'm sorry for what I'm about to do because I'm about to kind of oversimplify some of the arguments for my own sake as I take you through my trains of thought after listening to the debates in order to pick my winner. Um, I think Dom... You know, your major points here that community broke the very purpose for TV at the time. Um, its challenging nature was its strength. Um, it broke the rules. Its experimental nature and how they went episode to episode was a major positive for you. And, and you argued that really pushed the boundaries further than The Office. Um, now, Chris, you talked about this, the major strength of The Office being its human nature. Its character development drove the story instead of, you know, flavor of the week, experimentalism um, and how this show changed the world politically. I'm talking like society, you know, and you cited Diversity Day. I wanted to add and you didn't say it, I want to add like Gay Witch Hunt, like all these other episodes um, that kind of did the same thing. Um, and you argued that community, on the other hand, had too much meta humor, um, alienated its viewership. Dominic, you argued against The Office being that it was too cringy, too tough to get through episodes for you at times. And I know you love the show, or, or uh, you know, it's too real. I do have to say that you said it was too cringy, but you loved Scott's Tots. That's a huge ding. That is the cringiest episode of all time. But that's just my only opinion. I'm, I'm going to keep moving. Um, but, you know, going back to the arguments, you argued that, you know, The Office is consequence-free consequence TV. And Chris came back and picked apart that argument pointing out the community was victim of the same thing you said the office manufactured its relationships chris came back with great arguments explaining that no community does that same thing um you said the office is redundant and then chris came back with like the world's most relatable argument that it's communities is as redundant as they come you know so like your arguments were good but chris was able i thought able to kind of pick those apart better now at the end of the day like my thought is, you know, which of these shows pushed not only the state of TV further, but also pushed us as a society further since 2005? You know, and my answer for that, based on your arguments, is The Office. You know, why do people keep tuning into this day? Why is The Office worth, what was it, a billion dollars to NBC? You know, why? Uh, because, as Chris said, it's a relevant element of humanity. And then I love him citing the argument like that one episode at Pam's art show when Mike shows up after that awful day and she is as sad as they come. And he just like looks at that picture of the office she painted and 
loves it and needs to buy it, needs to have it in that office. And like that moment in the office is, I know you guys only have so much time to argue, but it's full of those moments. That was one. But you know, there's, I think those moments stand the test of time. And I think that's, that's pretty obvious. So Dom, what I kept hearing from you ultimately is that you preferred community's humor better. And that's fair. I think there's a lot of people who feel that same way. Um, Chris argued that the office is so much more than a singular style of humor. And based on your arguments, as you've probably been picking up where I've been going, I think Chris is the winner and the office is the winner of the better sitcom. Well, thank you. I, I had a feeling it was going to go there. I, 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 um, I do have to say Dom again, a commendable opponent. Um, there is no right or wrong answer. This is all subjectivism. I suppose for the debate, Billy has crowned a winner, but Dom raised some amazing points. And this was really tough for me because like I said, these are two of my top 10 favorite shows of all time. So this is like asking me to pick a favorite kid. So I, I, I that Billy and I, I look, I am glad I won, but Dom was a formidable and amazing opponent. And I look forward to another one of these. Look, I, I live life by the Fast and Furious rules, which is that if you're not winning, you're losing, and there's only first and last, and I live my life a quarter mile at a time. But um, I do have to say that, obviously, while I'm sad I lost, I understood that I was going to have an uphill battle to fight the entire time, and I'm not ashamed, obviously, and I don't, obviously, regret any of my points overall. And I'm still, again, not the biggest fan of The Office, even though I do have to admit that it has its place, obviously, in pop culture. And obviously, Chris, you fought a hell of a fight. But honestly, the real winner of tonight is Billy. Seriously, round of fucking applause. Billy, you came in last minute. You absolutely saved us. You fucking crushed it overall. Like, just, how do you feel, dude, after this? Like, I just, like, again, just, like, kind of relaxed R&R. I can breathe now. Although I will say I was so focused during your points. I haven't taken notes this, like, thorough since... Like my senior thesis in college, I, I was in it. And every time I was like, I was running out of spaces on pages of like, and I was highlighting and of my, like what points I wanted to come back to. And um, every time I thought Chris hit just like a home run, like a, in a fairly obvious one, just because the office is what it is. Like Dom, like you came back with another point. I'm like, that's brilliant. Like that's a brilliant count. Not even just like a counterpoint. I felt like you drove the argument, but that, that was your job as the underdog. You had to drive it. Chris, yeah, I have to the Chris argument. could fall back and, and defend, and, and mm-hmm. well, you had to kind of be aggressive in that argument. I felt, but you guys certainly came in on this with the high ground. If we're talking about the pop cultural impact, which is why I say Dom was such an amazing opponent. And Billy, I got to ask you one question: You really love both of these shows, so I think you did an amazing job being objective. But let people into your mind a little bit before we log off here. How hard was this for you? To my final decision or listening to the debate in general or all of it, being a fan of both of these shows and having to make that decision. Like if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of get the thought process there. I was just, when Dom asked me to do this first, I was, I was nervous. I, I, I was like, I've never done this before. And so there was that going into it. But what I kept telling myself is I'm preparing and getting the script down to start and um, kind of like organizing my thoughts is like at the end of the day, I love both shows. I know them both very well. And I get to listen and be like a front row seat spectator to the YouTube. I, I view you guys as being brilliant and listening to your arguments. So um, I, I knew Dom would have a hard time knowing the shows very well, arguing that The Office was inferior to Community. I think Community, I know no one's here for my opinion, does fall victim to a very repetitive 
nature and like uh and if the community even starts making fun of itself in several episodes with the jeff winger end of episode yes um, bring it back together with some like yes i should have brought that up to be completely honest but but some of my favorite but some of my favorite tv moments and some of my favorite tv sitcom episodes ever are community episodes and those those like stop motion i love those episodes i love chang no one talks about chang i think he's one of the funniest sitcom characters of all in my opinion of all time Uh, you know and so that's why I put him on the thumbnail. He's a phenomenal character. And and let me just say, man, there's so much charm to community. That that Christmas episode, mm-hmm. those songs are constantly stuck in my head, man. Mm-hmm. The stop motion, it's this was tough. I had to pick a favorite child tonight, and I hope I never have to do that in real life. Yeah. That's well, for sure. People again, thank <laughs> you to Yeah. Thank you to Billy for showing up and thank absolutely you. crushing it. As the as the host, but overall, again, thank you to everybody who tuned in for this episode. Overall, again, this is another fantastic debate. Again, thanks to Stranger Boy, thanks to Bakash, thank you to uh, Yoshi Hunter. Again, everyone that tuned into this debate. Overall, it was a lot of fun. We had an absolute blast. Uh, again, this is this is our penultimate episode, Chris. Only one more episode, and then that is it for us for season two. And what's what's our slogan that we have, Chris? 12 seasons in a short film. 12 seasons in a short film. That's right, people. <laughs> I can't that's wait. That's right, people. 12 seasons in a short film. What the short film will be, we'll, we have no idea, but that's the, that's the mystery. We have to let it build and build like community's uh, future movie that we hopefully will get. Again, hashtag in a movie. Is. Yep, hashtag succeeds in a movie. Um, but for what this debate was and for ultimately what it could have been, I'm just absolutely proud of what we came up with. And I'm so proud of the progress that we've made overall this year. Just again, like 178 subscribers in what, 10 months, right? Crazy. So, in nine months, it's that's nine and a half. So, something like that. I just, that's, never, never in a million years did I think that we were ever going to be in this spot. And that is, of course, thanks to you the people who have tuned in to us every single week with every bit of content that we have painstakingly put up on this channel out of this labor of love. We have new content that we put up every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on this YouTube channel. Again, if you click the subscribe button, if you click that little bell next to the subscribe button if you click the like if you leave a comment that way we can know what it is that you the people want to see from us i mean chris scroll down look at all that content that we have put up for the people we just finished our mandalorian recap show our eight week mando watch show we've had all these different like kind of eponymous bonus content that we've put up i've uh, just recently put up a pixar top 10 list and a david fincher rank list overall and again our big giant event that we had a couple nights ago, our strength of the screenplay reading of Star Wars Episode Nine: Duel of the Fates, that is still up on the channel. You guys can go and check that out right now. And again, just thanks for tuning in. Like we, we, we've loved doing this. We've loved entertaining you guys throughout the pandemic, and we hope to continue to do so throughout like the rest of these next couple of years. Overall, again, Chris, where can the good people find us on social media? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked, Tom. If you're looking on the screen right now, you can see our Instagram page is pulled up. That is one of the places we are very active. You can find us there at Talkin' TV Podcast, Talkin' spelled T-A-L-K-I-N, as well as on Facebook. Just type in Talkin' TV Podcast. Again, that's Talkin' spelled T-A-L-K-I-N. We post daily, and can't wait to see you there. Absolutely. And once again, big shout out. Big thank you so much to Mr. Billy Mack, Billy McElveen. Thank you so much for hosting. Let the good people know, where can they find you on the social medias? <laughs> Instagram, Coach Billy Mack, one word. Now, again, that's just that's just me, my personal Instagram. I'm not in this universe. I'm just a mega fan. Not yet. 
No, I, that's true. I, I mean, <laughs> after me. tonight, who knows, man? Tonight, dude, as far as I'm concerned, if you're on an episode, you're in the talking TV family. That's I, how that works. I, I, I had so much fun. I would absolutely be honored to be asked or included in anything you guys do in the future. Uh, I'm just, again, a mega fan. And for anyone watching, the content is gold. And it's so impressive, the volume of content you get out and how good it all is. And, you know, the diversity of the content as well. So, oh, thank, thank you, man. Again. Hey, there, there might be a certain cult TV. Oh, thank you, Trevor Fargo, overall. Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I hope to God that 2021 is better than 2020 overall, because I think 2020 is a year that a lot of people are just ready to say goodbye to overall. Yeah. And really, as far as when you're going to be back, I mean, again, there's a certain gigantic cult hit show that blew up when it came on Netflix this year, and we're certainly going to cover when it drops in January. So, oh, hell again, yeah. Just, just get pumped. Just get pumped. And, That's all I gotta say. And one last thing, Dom. Let them know that we're only gonna temporarily be taking a slight Christmas break, and and oh, we yeah. plan to pick it what, back what up. Breaks? What, what, what are breaks in the YouTube sphere? <laughs> like that. That was what you told me, right? Yeah. No, we're we're taking a couple days off for the purposes of Christmas. We'll be back a couple days after Christmas for our last podcast episode of the year talking about Soul and Wonder Woman. We've also got one last bit of bonus content to give you guys on Wednesday. We'll take a little bit of a break off and then we'll be coming back strong on New Year's Day of 2021 to cover We Can Be Heroes from Robert Rodriguez because the last thing I expected to get was a Shark Boy and Lava Girl sequel. Yeah. So guys, the last thing I expected. So don't stress if you don't see us for a few days, we we just want to enjoy some time with our families as as we hope you guys are as well. We hope you guys have an amazing holiday, a Merry Christmas, and if you guys celebrate, celebrate safe and, and have a good good holiday season. Yeah. Billy, from thank my, you again, man. It really means a lot. You were phenomenal. Thank, thank you guys. You. So from myself, from Chris, from Billy, again, you guys know how we sign this show out. Have a safe, happy holiday, and as always, people, watch more fucking movies. We out.